Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to, to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I'm joined by an Olympic champion. He led the Arizona Wildcats to the College World Series Championship in 2001. And she's pretty much been the face of, of women's softball for the better better part of the last 20 years. More importantly, recently, I took Jenny deep in a celebrity softball game hit uh, when I was up in Seattle. So that's my claim to fame. Ladies and gentlemen, Jenny Finch. Jenny, thanks for coming on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you had to go there, right? Well, it's, it's my – okay. I got to come clean with you. 1996. Okay, this is before you're even in college. I'm playing for the Reds. I get a phone call from the Reds, and it's myself. It's Barry Larkin, Hal Morris. And they said, we want you to come to Disney. And, and this is when we first started to notice women's softball, that, that Olympic team with Dot Richardson. Was it What was the pitcher's name? Lisa Fernandez? Lisa Fernandez, yes. So they said, we want to do a little exhibition. So... I said, all right, I'll do it. So we go down there, and I think it's going to be fun, and we're going to play around. Well, she's not playing around, and I get into the box. And, I mean, it was I, – I tried not to pretend like I was trying too hard, but, I mean, it was – you've seen it. She kind of humiliates me a little bit. I strike out. Strikes out Larkin. Hal Morris comes over to me, and he says, she's not going to strike me out no matter what. So Hal gets up on the bat. He puts it in play. We go about our business. Everybody claps. It's great. So fast forward, 2004, I think, is when you were going around to all the teams. And I hear Jenny Finch is coming to Seattle to our spring training. And they're trying to get me to hit. I said, are you kidding me? I said, I've already learned my lesson. I'm not going out there. I think Mike Cameron came out and you struck him out. Am I accurate on that story? He did, yeah. And actually, so they wouldn't let me face any players. And so Bob Melvin came out and he tried to hit. And then Mike Cameron just like walked out of center field and was like, give me a bat. I want to try to hit. And so, but at first, like everyone was so against it because obviously spring training, people are just getting back. Like the last thing you need is an injury from trying to hit a fast pitch softball. And so, um, yeah, he started the, the whole tour of facing major leaguers. 
and I think because we were talking about it. Cammy still to this day is one of my best friends, and we were talking about it when you were coming. And I said, "I'm telling you, Cammy," and he doesn't care. You know, Mike and his personality, he doesn't really care. I said, "I'm telling you, I am not going to allow her to embarrass me." Because I said, "It's embarrassing, and you will get embarrassed because it's a different, it's a different animal than we're used to." And Cammy, you know, okay, he doesn't care. He's like, "No, man, I'm gonna, I want to go out there and give the girl a chance." I said, "Give her a chance. She's giving you a chance." <laughs> When it comes to baseball, you know, and a lot, a lot is said, toughest thing in sports is to hit a baseball. Consider that's what everybody likes to say. I tend to agree with that. But how hard is it to hit a softball at your level, not the slow pitch, but real, you know, fast pitch? And what adjustments could I make? As it, could you teach me to hit a softball? How would I do if I trained to be a softball player? Well, I think, I mean, obviously you have the basics, the fundamentals, the power, all of those things and the hand-eye coordination. So I think like to my advantage going in and like facing major league baseball players, it was first off, I feel like the ego, testosterone, all of that is flowing. Like you want to just not just make contact, you're trying to, you know, go yard. And so I think that's to my advantage there, right? The bigger the swing, the more advantage it is for me because by the time I released the ball, I'm at like 38 feet. And, and I think, obviously, I, I stuck with the rise ball only because baseball players are used to a downward angle where um, we have the rise ball that goes up. So they're not used to kind of tracking the ball um, on, uh, for that. And so I would just say shorten up, choke up, and, like, less is more. Just basically get the barrel there. And especially these days. I mean, the barrels in these bats are so hot. I mean, my daughter's 10, and we she I coach a travel ball team, and it's like, man, it's crazy the the like bats make a huge difference. And if you just get the barrel there nowadays, it's going to go. So it's just a matter of, you know, staying short, being quick and, you know, making contact and letting the bat do the work. Did you, did you have fun at that time when you were going around? I, I know you struck out Pujols. I think you faced Piazza. Was it fun coming in there and just kind of letting them know real quick? And I, and I know, believe me, I know what goes through our minds as players because we come there, we really have nothing in the game. But at the same time, we know that we're not used to that velocity from that distance. And it's just a different animal. It's something we'd have to work on. Um, but did you have fun doing that? I think the players, for the most part, yeah, it, we get embarrassed a little bit. But I think it's for good. It's good entertainment. I think it's good for the game in general, softball and baseball. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like just being a female athlete, you didn't you weren't exposed to very many other professional female athletes. And so. I feel like that was honestly, like obviously behind 1996, the Olympics, that uh, fast pitch was a part of the Olympics for the first time in 96 and it was in Atlanta. In Atlanta. So I think that helped um, the game grow in the US, but um, just being able to kind of like, yeah, you can see it, but it wasn't on TV very much. And so if you go to a game, you, you realize how fast it is and how the ball moves. But you know, I'll never forget Alex Rodriguez standing in there and being like, that's a Randy Johnson slider. And so just in a way, not that we, I, we as a sport needed the credibility, but I think it gave us the credibility and, um, you know, just basically showcased what we can do from the mound and underhand and how we can make the ball move and at what speeds it does come in. So in a way it kind of, you know, um, was a great way to showcase our game and grow our game. And, um, and I think, too, just for young girls to be able to see, you know, a girl throwing a ball underhand and having the stage of being around major leaguers and, you know, giving getting the feedback from 
you know, the best of the best in the world um, in the game. No, I think it, I think it's really cool. It's been great for women's sports and, and, as a baseball player, I did start to pay attention to that 96 team. I remember Dot Richardson, and she was a character. And and I remember watching those girls and watching them win the gold. And then you came along, and, and uh, I remember watching you in the College World Series. I'm like, who is this girl? And then all of a sudden, we had Monica Abbott on, on the program recently. And she, she took it from there. So, I mean, you've been a big part of it. But from 96 till now, it not only did you put it on the map, but it's been kind of mainstream and, and a cool thing for, for young girls. I want to talk about, um, you know, I'm a father, I've got four kids and you talk about the pressures of, of sports and young kids growing up and my son's in the minor leagues and, and, uh, he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders and he doesn't show, uh, that the pressure gets to him. I'm sure it does, though. You know, when I was coming up, you know, I had it, but I didn't really feel it that much. I just kind of, you know, I was I was different. I was a uh, I was a naive kid. Let's put it that way. It's nobody was going to get in my way and and I was going to get to the big leagues. But I want to talk about the women's side. You know, I have a daughter. My oldest daughter is 27 years old and she was a volleyball player. Uh, in high school, and she had an opportunity to go to a couple teams. She had a chance to walk on USC. In the end, she ended up saying, Dad, I, I just want to be a student and enjoy college, which was fine with me. But nobody ever talks about the pressures of female athletes coming up. When you go out, I know you do a ton of events. And uh, when, when parents come up to you and go, Jenny Finch, I want my daughter to be just like you. That's a that's a tall order to be the next Jenny Finch. I mean, that's not, you know, I know you know uh, how special of a run you've had and, and a lot of good that you've done. But it's th those are pretty lofty expectations. When you hear a parent say, I want my, my little girl to be just like you, what's your response and how does that make you feel? You know, it's it's incredible just to think of how far we've come. And now these young girls are being able to. My 10-year-old daughter walked into the Women's College World Series this year, and there were 12,000 fans there. And, like, to her, this is normal. And every weekend, turning on her favorite, you know, collegiate athlete in, in the game of, of softball and tracking her and being able to follow her, and now uh, with the professional league as well. And so that, that was stuff that, you know, we didn't have. And so I just think it's it's amazing to see. And what the future holds for these girls that have grown up being able to, I mean, you see it, you can believe it and you can go achieve it. But us, we were kind of blind in, in a way. I mean, we, we love the game and we would hold on to, I mean, I remember my dad would cut out any article, whether it would be, you know, any sport, but as a female athlete, like I just wanted to hear about another female athlete's journey. Um, and so I was, you know, just a sponge to get to get any information I could on other female athletes that were able to do it at the collegiate level and then have the opportunity to do it um, in the Olympics mainly was the only opportunity um, after college. And so um, it's just exciting to see. The, and now with the Internet and technology and all that, like these girls have so much at their fingertips. And so it's so neat to see. And even just in, in baseball, seeing women break through um, in baseball as well. And so it's, it's just, um, incredible to be a part of, and I feel so blessed and fortunate that I had the opportunity and, you know, I, a title nine baby, a product of title nine, and, um, just grateful for the impact that I've been able to have and, you know, still fortunate enough to continue to have that and to be connected. When you, fir when you first came on the scene, uh, let's call it 
around 2000. Um, here, here's Jenny Fitch, six foot tall, pretty girl, one of the best softball players in the world. That's a lot of, you got a lot of attention. How, how was that for you at such a young age? Did you embrace it? Was it overwhelming at times? And if we would have had social media back then, how would things have been different? Because I think about my career, social media, when I was a, when I was a kid, and I'm thinking, wow, that, that would have been tough for me. Now, everybody, it's normal. Everybody lives with it. But how would Jenny Fitch have done? Ooh, I'm grateful that we didn't. I feel like it was hard enough. <laughs> I can't imagine, like you talked about pressure. And um, I feel like, you know, I, I just, luckily, I was grounded enough, I felt like, just from my family. And I relied on them a lot. And, um, you know, thankful to have teammates. Like, I just remember going to the Olympics in 2004 and, coming home, just being so grateful that I have a team behind me. You know, it was like, I can't imagine being an individual sport athlete and not having the sisterhood and the teammates there uh, to do the journey with you. And so just grateful for that. And um, yeah, technology, it's, it's crazy. I, these young athletes are dealing with a lot. And so it's just kind of, man, you got to protect yourself and you got to, you have to use it, but at the same time, you have to be smart and make sure that it's, you know, pushing you in the right direction and not the wrong direction. Because I know for just, man, what it does to, like, just as an adult, you can get caught up in just the stupidest things or waste so much time and worrying about, you know, so many other things. I was, I'm thankful that I just got to worry about, you know, striking out hitters and, you know, um, not having to track every little thing that I do um, as the athletes have to deal with now. Advice to kids when they come up to you. Jenny, give me some advice. Parents, give me some advice. My advice is always let the kids be kids. Jenny Fett. Yeah, that's good. I would say just, you know, try to be the best that you can be. Comparison is the thief of joy. And especially now with social media and just access to everything, it's you can get so caught up in other people's journey and what other people are doing. And I've even learned that as a mom. Like, my kids are so unique. They're different. I can't compare. I can't expect them to be, you know, I, I don't know. And, and two, they're different personalities and all of that. Like you have to take all of that in. I, I love just let them be kids and have fun. And it is a game like you have to have fun. So make sure that you are having fun with it. And um, man, if you don't have fun, what's what's the point in it? It's interesting. You're you're you said you're you're uh, coaching, help coach and travel ball. I did that when I first retired. I came out and I just thought uh, myself and a buddy of mine that we live in the same area, Trevor Hoffman, we decided, okay, we're going to, we're going to be the travel ball coaches. We had both recently retired. I coached third, he coached first. And we had a manager who was great that ran all the emails and the parents. And we thought this could be great. Everybody's going to want to play for us. We're going to beat everybody. Rude awakening. Uh, I remember at a certain point, Trevor looked at me and said, what are we doing wrong? Because these kids were coming. If they weren't playing short, hitting third and fourth and pitching at the same time. It's like, we're going to take our kids and we're going to go to another, uh, we're going to go to another team. And I just thought, wow, this is unbelievable. The parents and what they want to do. We, in the end, we ended up recruiting the best parents and we had good kids that if we played our best, we had a chance at the end of the tournament to be in the mix, but it was an eye opener for me. And, and when, and still to this day, when I when I talk about these kids and, and kids of, you know, the the males, the female, everybody, it's like 
you have this precious time as children where where you don't have the responsibilities of adult being an adult and being out in the world it's time i think of my little league days some of my fondest memories to this day are little league like having a slurpee getting four hits going having a soft pretzel a slurpee going out with my buddies and doing whatever we did i mean those are some of my fondest memories and i just think sometimes with today's what you're told you know the 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 money that's involved at sports at the highest level. And I think a lot of these parents have unrealistic expectations. Like little Johnny's going to do this and this is he's going to make 20 million a year. And I'm just thinking, no, he's not. (laughs) I coach him. He's a good player, but he's got no chance. So let him be a kid. So when he's 25 years old, he looks back and, and he can say, Hey, remember when we won that, you know, that travel ball tournament And, and they have good memories and fond memories, not, bitter because I was pushed too hard or my parents wanted this for me and it, I didn't want that for me. I don't know. I, I, I thought it was tough in the end. I, I really enjoyed my time coaching. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, but uh, people just parents, especially they need, they need to keep, they have to have a little bit of dose of reality. Like this isn't that big of a deal. This is a time to form friendships, relationships, learn how to get your butt kicked, learn how to win humbly. Uh, but that's not always that's not always the message with youth sports. Yeah, it's it's tough. And man, luckily, we got a good group of parents, which you said is everything. Because It's like and this is like not just I mean, we're spending. I mean, you spend more time with your travel ball team than you do your own family at times. Like when we're blowing and going during the week, we got practice, you know, twice a week. We're getting home late. And then on the weekends, you're spent and softball is, I think, even crazier than baseball. Like we. They play double elimination, so you have pool play in the morning Saturday, and then you're going into double elimination on Saturday night. So there's no, like, two games and then one uh, one game elimination, you know, seed you on Sunday. This is, like, the whole entire weekend, and this is just tenue. It's 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 crazy. Um, but you just kind of, man, you got to just – I always say, like, what's my greatest – piece of advice and it's like try to maintain a balance but it is so true in so many aspects and especially in the whole travel ball craze because it's a rat race and same thing like luckily we got a good group of parents and we're just man we're just trying i'm like my goal is for them to want to play high school and be able to be able to play high school and have fun and love the game and if anything after that it's all laying up like that's that's a bonus that's a win uh so we'll see like you said it's those life lessons and i you don't realize it until you're older, but man, like you learned so much failure, discipline, sacrifice, leadership, teamwork, like those things that are the things that you're going to take with you in every area of your life and forever. And so that's just trying to raise good people and, you know, show them that hard work does prevail and um, you have to go with the grind, the highs and lows and consistency is huge, I think, in the game and in life and just trying to maintain that. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, I learned, I know personally, I learned a lot more from my failures than I did from my successes. So later on in life, later in my career, uh, when I was having a lot of success, it wasn't, I could enjoy it. And, and I didn't take it for granted. Like, man, I've been at the bottom. I've been at some, I've had some tough years and I've had some great years. So it, it took me a while, but, but in the end, it's like, okay, we're not too hot, too high doesn't mean get too high and then the lows are lows if i can keep that that even keel so yeah when you win a game when you're kicking butt when you're personally doing well i'm not saying don't smile and have a good time but on the flip side of that coin when you're getting your butt kicked you've lost six out of seven and you're one for your last 12 that doesn't mean sit in the corner and suck your thumb be a pro and give me that even keel guy those are the best teammates i've ever had were those guys that came to the ballpark and I couldn't tell what happened the day before. I mean, those are the best right. teammates, and, and those are the, the guys that are real professional. Uh, you mentioned Athens, 2004. I got to play on, a, on not an – it wasn't an Olympic year, but 1989 with the USA team, and, and I was a part of that. And we went around, and, and uh, we played a lot of games. I got to go to Cuba. It was pretty cool. But I was wearing the USA uniform for the first time. Um, Athens, 2004. You guys win the gold medal. Uh, what was it like playing for Team USA at that point in your in your career? Probably the biggest professional or not professional. I'm sorry. Biggest sports moment was probably winning the College World Series. Now it's a different ball game. You're playing for your country. You end up winning the gold. I'll get to that in a second. But just represent your country. How was that? Oh, it was a dream. A dream. Like literally. I dreamt. I remember watching when I was, I think, four years old, and the Olympics were in LA, and Mary Lou Retton won a gold medal for gymnastics. I remember her. And that, like, I'll never forget watching her and just the emotion and the pride and all of it. Man, it was so beautiful. And so then to be able to put that USA jersey on was a complete dream. And then, let alone to do it with women that I looked up to, Lisa Fernandez. I, I was in her autograph line. I was a bat girl for UCLA one weekend and I got to be, you know, her bat girl. And now like we're sharing a dugout competing for a gold medal together. Uh, what a dream it was to be around just that group of women um, and to train with them and to learn from them, let alone represent the U.S. But yes, you go from, yeah, representing your college is cool. And then it's like, oh, shoot, like this is this is your country. This is this is the real deal. And I remember coach took us down to Camp Pendleton um, <laughs> to train with the Navy SEALs. We had no idea what we were doing. And he unloads us and here we are at Camp Pendleton, like, what's up coach? What's happening here? And literally we spent the day training with Navy SEALs and like, man, talk about pressure. Like, yes, USA softball, nothing but gold, 96, 2000, they took the gold and here we are trying to, you know, three peat and go back and, you know, we're training eight hours a day pretty much uh, for this gold medal, touring the whole year prior to, and then um, you're standing next to a Navy SEAL and you're like, this is not real pressure. Like, this is nothing. And so just what a reality check that was for us. It was like, And then I think, too, 
traveling around playing on other USA teams, um, obviously not the Olympic team until 2004, but just meeting military um, men and women all over the world and just how grateful they are to see us. And then to see the sacrifices that they've made and just think that, man, you get to, you get to represent that in a small way. And what, what a cool honor that is. Uh, Mike Andreas, he's your coach you're referring to, correct? Yes. We, we, I had him on about a year ago and we talked about his journey through all that and uh, really good guy, cool guy. I know when you guys won the gold medal, I know his wife had passed away right around that time. Take me through. It's one thing. It's one thing to represent your country. Another thing to win the gold medal. But I, I'd have to think I've never been on the podium. I've never won a gold medal. But I'd have to think that when that national anthem's being played, that medal ceremony, you remember that at all? Do you remember? And and coach is right there with you. And like I said, he had. I think he had gone through a pretty horrific tragedy at that time with his wife. What did that mean to you? Do you remember? Take me back to that podium and what you're thinking. Yeah, um, it was so actually we were on our last tour stop and that's where she fell uh, to the ground with a brain aneurysm and literally within 24 hours was gone. And so you you go from, you know, training for this gold medal, your whole life is revolving around it. Here we are. And then it's like, boom, like this, this means nothing. You know, any of us could be gone just like that. And just um, so it was extremely, extremely difficult. And I played at University of Arizona where he coached. And so his son came in as a freshman with me and we were, you know, best friends. And so it wasn't just, you know, losing coach's wife, but it was like, you know, a second mom to all of us. And Michael being one of my best friends, his son, it was, it was just, man, the strength that he had to be there and to come and lead us and lead us there, um, was everything. And we knew that that's where Sue would want him to be at, but I just remember, you know, the flag raising up and I remember watching that moment and hearing about that moment from Lisa Fernandez, Dot Richardson, you know, Leo Brian Amico and Laura Berg and the past Olympians and they shared what it felt like. And I just remember like, I couldn't find my parents fast enough. And just to think about how many people allowed you to be standing there in that moment. And um, so many sacrifices, like, yeah, we made sacrifices, but there were so many people around us that had made sacrifices for us to get there. And then for me too, it was just like, man, I don't know. It was like the Lord spoke to me in that moment and was like, this gold medal is just going to, it's going to tarnish one day. Like it isn't everything. And so it was a cool moment for me because it was full circle too of like, man, losing coach's wife, you just realize like, yeah, this was and meant so much to me. And this was my lifetime goal. But um, just like that, we can be gone in an instant. 2008, go to Beijing. I, I don't know if I read this right. There was a quote that you said you were very disappointed that you won the silver medal. Yeah, I mean, and, and not to say the least. That was horrible. Oh, horrible winning, horrible winning the like silver I, medal. Yes, and when you say like she won the silver medal, it's like no, we lost the gold. You know, <laughs> um, but I think again, like you said, you don't. I mean, I think I appreciated it for sure, but man, coming up short you appreciate that gold medal that much more. And I just remember a coach gathered us in and um, he said, you need to be proud of who you are, what you've done. And most importantly, life's going to hand you a lot harder things than a silver medal. And I'll never forget that because isn't that the truth as hard as it is. And it's still not easy to look at and you know, it's not near as pretty as the gold, but um, (laughs) yeah. And I think too, as a testament to about the world was, 
you know, creeping up on us. And Japan was there. And I think like people like just assumed how much, how good we were and, oh, we dominated and the world wasn't anywhere near like, no, like we, we were in 2004, you know, Japan, Australia, any of them could have, you know, those are all close games. And so um, just realizing like our sports catching on in the world is creeping up to us as well. What do you think your biggest contribution to women's softball has been? Hmm. You've done a lot. Yeah, I think just growing the game and, man, maybe, I don't know, showcasing what, what the game's about and what, what we can do. And I remember, you know, like our off days of um, – being on the Olympic team, like we were supposed to rest like four days, but here I got the opportunity to be on David Letterman and, you know, do these things that women have never had the opportunity to do, especially in our game of softball. And so I kind of felt, or I did feel obligated. I'm like, I have to do this because man, I'm like, I'm being able to bring attention to our sport and showcase what we do. And so it was, um, it was incredible and just trying to capitalize on it and use it for the next generation and open doors um for the next generation and i think just fight stereotypes you know you feel like oh softball had this you know kind of stereotype about our athletes our players and just know like man anybody can do anything and all shapes and sizes you can look any different way um and still be you and still be great at whatever you do if we go back and nil has been big now in in college sports could you imagine when you came on the scene, what you could have done with NIL? How much would Jenny Finch have made back then? I don't know. I, it's just <laughs> crazy. It is so crazy. man. <laughs> and I just, I can't imagine. I mean, it was, there were times where, man, just females can be catty and you're trying to play on a team sport. And I always try to bring, you know, the attention to my teammates as well and share the limelight and all of that. But like, I can't imagine now trying to balance just that on a team in a team atmosphere. And, you know, she's going here and she's getting paid this and that. And then, and, you know, are you still putting the game first? Are you putting you first? And man, I mean, I think it's, 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 it's incredible. But at the same time, I feel like, I don't know, there's a lot's been tainted from it too. And, I feel like college sports was like the one pure thing that people held on to and loved. And now I feel like it's lost in a way, but at the same time, you know, these athletes do deserve, um, to be compensation. No, no, I, I agree with you. And, and I think it's been such a long standing debate. It's like, what Mm -hmm. do you do? And I, and you know, I went to USC and I went over to the Coliseum, like a, college student every weekend and watch the Trojans play. And I watched the Coliseum pack 85,000 people into it. And, and in my generation, it was Rodney Pete and it was Todd Marinovich. Uh, later to come was Leinert and Reggie Bush. And I would sit around and I think the amount of money this institution is making because of these athletes and we get our stipends, you know, I, when I went to college, it was a full it was a full scholarship and I got a little check, you know, for food. My room and board was paid for. And that's all great. And I'm not saying but I, but I'm sitting there and I'm watching USC win the Rose Bowl. And I'm going, could you imagine the amount of money they're producing for this 
college for the game in general. I'm thinking there's got to be a way. I'm not saying pay them millions of dollars, but make it so they have a comfortable if they're contributing that much of the bottom line. But I don't think there's any perfect formula. Like you said, the NIL, it'd be great. It would be great for Jenny Finch. She's going to make a lot of money. But like you said, you're looking at your teammates. You're trying to bring them into the mix. And is there that cattiness? Does it get to a point where it affects your team? I think about that being the quarterback, the stud quarterback, going to be the number one pick in the draft. What about that that guy that's hiking him the ball that's not going to get drafted? Is he going to is he going to have a you know is he going to have a problem with it? You would hope not, and you'd spread it around as much as as much as you can. But but obviously, the center's not going to make the nil the nil deal that the quarterback's going to make. So I, I just don't, I don't think there's a perfect system and there's a lot of flaws to it. And I don't know how you work it out. I just don't have a, the perfect answer. Well, and I think you, you mix in the transfer portal with that complete disaster. It's like, you know, wherever the money is, everyone's going to follow. And that's, it's going to, it's done. It's, it's wild. And I mean, I'm in Louisiana. LSU has the top five female athletes. Um, that are, you know, making or the highest paid female athletes right now, which is great. And and it's crazy too to think that like how are we not being able to bridge that into the pros? Like these girls don't want to graduate because it's never gonna be this good as it is now, which is right. exciting, but at the same time, like somehow we have to be able to figure out how to take that into the professional leagues and grow it to the next level. Well, I got it, I got it. Uh, I was listening to something. I forget who said it, but I have an answer for the WNBA. Lower the rim. Lower the rim. It'll be more yeah. exciting. Then the girls can dunk like the men, and it'll be it, it'll be more action. That's that's my. I think Charles Barkley said it. Actually, I thought it was pretty funny. He simply said, think, "Lower the rim." Yeah. He said, "Lower the rim," and I said, "That's a great idea. Why not lower the rim?" Right. Um, you've had a lot of endorsements through the year. You, you've mentioned you got to do a lot of things that that uh like cool things things that everybody doesn't get to do you mentioned letterman you did uh, i think you did family feud um but as far as endorsements how did you decide what you were willing to endorse and and what you just said no because i'm sure you had a ton of offers ton of people coming at you how did you decide yeah so i, I was very kind of and and i have to say like i, I I was blessed to be able to kind of pick and choose and turn down as well if I wanted to. And I was very protective about, I just didn't want to put my name on anything. And I really wanted to believe in it if I did. And, you know, I signed with Mizuno, which very small conservative company, which I had other offers of way bigger brands, but they were willing to, you know, buy into me. And I think, you know, give me the first female line from head to toe, which was really cool. And I'm still, with them today, it's been a what I think a 24 year relationship, which is just a dream. And so I think, you know, sometimes you just have to I don't know, pros and cons, and you know, be able to hopefully make sure that you believe in it because your name is all you have. And you know, if it's watered down or not what you hope to, you know, be a part of something that you wouldn't want to be a part of, like just man, it's not worth it. So luckily, I had a great team. You know, I would always go back to my parents. I have two older brothers. They helped me too, as far as just kind of picking and choosing and making sure that I was kind of staying true to who I am. And um, my agent, Erin Kane, she's just been in, in just awesome. Um, I first had a baseball agent and then, you know, she was kind of working for him and then she took me over. But um, yeah, just so grateful for our 
you know, 20 year relationship as well, just kind of guiding me down um, that road that as was never walked before. So you're kind of trying to figure it out and make the most, make the most of it and, and do the best with um, the opportunities that you have. That is awesome. You're with Mizuno. I was with Mizuno and uh, you know, I was with him for about 17 years. I, I walk around, I, I see the game today. You rarely see Mizuno in the United States. It's mm-hmm. rare. I mean, I remember once in a while they'd send me a bad order, but it was even impossible to get a bad order in the big leagues back, back in my time. Uh, but I always loved the glove. I remember as a little kid, uh, you know, my dad and Pete Rose were teammates. So when I go to the ballpark, Pete gave me his third base glove when he went over to first. And I remember what it was. It was a GIC three E and one of the original big guys in Mizuno, his name was Kirby Bates. And he was like the original guy. And I had this glove and I was in little league and I used that glove. And then I got to the, to college and Mizuno started sending me, you know, this certain model, then they changed the model. And I never used from little league to the day I retired. I used the same uh, Mizuno glove and I had a great relationship. They're, they're so good. And I talked to the players today. I said, why does nobody use a Mizuno? It, it, it drives me crazy because it's such a good product and not only just baseball gloves and their bats, it seems like their bats were harder than the other bats, but it's like, they'd make you pine for them, like call and say, pretty please to send you the bats over from Japan. But they're a great, great company, great golf clubs. Yeah, they are. And I think when I think of quality, especially, you know, there's new brands popping up left and right. And like, yes, there's a ton of marketing money, but I feel like when it comes to quality of equipment, they've never, um, you know, they've kept their standard high. Yeah, they have. Uh, you did the apprentice. Who called you to do the apprentice? And what are you thinking when you get that phone call? And you did get fired, but I, I think everybody fired. pretty much gets fired. All right. Take yes. me through that a little bit. I think I got an email from, you know, some buddy within the show and they pitched it and I was thinking, okay, sure. And then I'm thinking, I haven't, I like the one job I had was a softball player. Like n- no other. I mean, I think I, in college, I like sold burritos for a couple nights, like me and some of my teammates, um, they sold burritos at our, at our stadium and they asked us to come waitress. And so here we were, but other than that, like I had no other job there, you know, I'm so not qualified for this, but, um, why not? It'd be a great opportunity. Let's, let's do it. And I remember it was in 2008 and it was, they had promised me that I would have time to train and, you know, do all these things. They totally lied. It was like, 18 hour days and we were the first I think celebrity version and so they hadn't done this kind of version yet so there was a lot of I think um obviously things that they had to work through through that first um show but it was a lot of fun got to meet a lot of great people Trace Atkins Lennox Lewis um what a trip Gene Simmons um Mary uh, who was it um oh my gosh I can't think of it now I'm Mary uh I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know. But it was it was a great experience. Yes, I got fired. I think Trump said I was too nice, which I think uh, everyone kind of said that it was the nicest firing yet, right? Because he could get a little brutal in the firings. Obviously dramatic for TV. But um, I was just thankful that it was a peaceful goodbye and out of the board. And literally, like, I needed to go train. So it was like, I got to get out of here. And I took Casey and my, my son, Ace. He was there with us. And gosh, Casey, like literally, I think we got a car that night. Like we were driving through the night. He's like getting out of New York city. I'm done. (laughs) Did you do dancing with the stars too? 
I did, yes. Now, I couldn't imagine doing that because, you know, when it comes to athletic stuff, I, I think I can kind of do anything. But when it comes to dancing, you know how there's those people in the room that, you know, whether you're at a party, a, a wedding, whatever, it's, there's certain people that just no matter what at all costs don't go on the dance floor. That's me. And then there's, you know, there's my buddies that they really can't dance, but they have no shame. and They don't care. Right. And they get out there and they're funny. But the, the dancing, singing, those are two things that it's like, I just can't bring myself to do it. I can't even... I don't know. I can't even be self-deprecating. I feel that stupid. How was that for you? Oh, same. Like, it literally, like my friend, like my friends that know me would be like, "Yeah, right." There's no way. And I'm thinking the same. Like six foot one, all white girl. Like this is not gonna be good. And I just remember, um, let alone like, well, I mean, like, I wear heels out or whatever. But like to to dance, let alone, and then to dance in heels, like heck no. But I, it's honestly, if I can do it, you can do it for sure because. It's you learn a lot? Just like, in, yes, yes. And okay. Especially, too, in just the correlation of, like, I don't know, my partner would always say, like, engage, engage, like, tighten your core and, like, feel feel that connection from your lower half to your upper half. And, you know, and it was, honestly, it was really hard. But I think it was, yes, physically, it was hard. My feet were hurting. I had blisters all over. Um, but at the same time, it was, like, mentally, like, just convincing yourself that you can do it and that you belong. And I feel like just that mental toughness and the self-doubt and all of those things. And then you get out there and trying to learn and remember the steps and, and all of those things. Like, man, talk about pressure. That's pressure. Like, yes, when you do your sport, you're prepared. You've done it your whole life. You're ready. But this was so far out of my comfort zone. And so there was a lot of pressure going in. But it was fun. And it was fun to push myself in a, in a different way and um, make myself be completely uncomfortable okay now nice i'm wondering about next year in texas is where the game is i'm thinking about playing i got to defend the belt yes you have to whose team am hopefully, i am i gonna hopefully get we're on the same team yeah I'm, i was just gonna say do i get to be on jenny's team because i know you're big when it comes to the celebrity softball game that was my for uh, and i'll be honest with you i get a phone call uh, because it's Seattle and the last time, you know, that's kind of my city. Uh, so I get a, a phone call to play in the celebrity softball game. And they mentioned, you know, I, I say, all right, Jenny Finch is playing. I knew a few of the guys, uh, people playing. But I'll be honest with you, when we're in that room, and for those of you watching or listening to the Boone podcast right now, Jenny and I announced the lineups. It was supposed to be, I think, Felix Hernandez does one, Jenny does the other. But Felix wasn't there. He was doing the Futures game. So I announced the lineups and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm looking around the room. Uh, I knew Joel McHale, you know, I knew a few of the guys, but I didn't know the YouTubers. I didn't know the singer songwriters that were there. I knew the athletes that were there. And I thought, started thinking to myself, wait a minute, you know, this is all fun and games. It sounded great a couple months ago, but I've actually got to go out in this field and play. And I had no idea what to expect. We go walking across the field right after the Futures game. There's more fans than I thought there was going to be. There's How many fans do you think were there? 20,000? There was a lot. That was a good showing. Very good Yeah, there, there was a lot. Well, you've done these before. So I, I come walking on the field. Now, the, you know, somebody comes up with the microphone. Brett, what do you think? I said, well, I think this was a good idea two months ago. And, and now <laughs> I don't know what it is. And I know I'm leading off and and. Cammy comes up to me, goes, Booney, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I said, 
I kind of have to hit a homer, don't I? I kind of have to, but I don't know if I'm gonna. I have no idea what's gonna happen. I haven't swung a bat in years. Uh, so you were nice enough to groove one in. You let me. You let me hit a homer, um, and I went through it. But you know, after the game and walking around the city the next two days, because we were, as you know, it was a zoo in Seattle, and and I had a lot of meet and greets that I was doing, and just the fans on the street came up to me and said, Brett, you know, we're at the Futures game. We saw the softball game and we didn't really know what to expect, but we were, that was really fun and it was entertaining. And I thought, you know, cause we do a lot of things where, where we meet and great. And yeah. You know, we got to do, you got to shake hands and say hello and whatever they are, what they are. And I thought that was going to be one of those. I really actually enjoyed myself. And at the end, you know, they gave me the belt. I thought that was really cool. I didn't even know beforehand we were taking pictures with the belt. I didn't even know what I was taking a picture with. Then at the end to get that was cool, but I actually enjoyed my time. I had fun, and uh, a lot of the players that I didn't know, the non-athletes that were there, they were a lot better than I expected them to be. Me too, and that's what I think is the most fun about it. You never know who's going to be kind of like those hidden, underrated Gems. athletes yeah. that just come out and kill it, you know, for sure. Yeah. It's always so fun, and I think the different personalities make it what it is, and you never really know what you're getting into going in. Um, but they always, they always are uh, a ton of fun. And I don't think I grooved it in. I think, I think you would have hit anything. I don't think you've lost. I think you could play still, honestly. Well, that was pretty impressive. The show that you put on. I'll tell you. And, and afterwards I was so, I was so sore that <laughs> night. And I'm thinking I've only, I've only taken four. Sw- well, actually we had BP. So I took a few swings there in BP, but I, I limited my time cause I know my back. And uh, I can't. I, I did. I had a. I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. And we were. We were cruising. We were whooping you guys. Next thing you know, it's. We finished twenty-one to nineteen or something like that. Right. So we we almost Close. gave it back at the end. Um, I know you're a baseball fan, and I'll let you go. But uh, you're a Dodger fan, I think. If I heard that, am I correct there? I am. Yeah, I grew up a Dodger fan. Grew up eating Dodger dogs. My mom had like. We shared season tickets behind third base, and so we would get to go to like every fourth game or something. And there we were. My mom would bring in her little radio, listen to Vince Scully, right in front of our, you know, attach it to our seat, and um, we'd yes, Dodgers all the way. Very cool. Do you do you follow baseball at all? Are you, are you, do you follow it? Honestly, a little bit, but we're in Louisiana now, and I feel like we're so disconnected. I got three kids: seventeen, twelve, and ten. So it's hard enough to know, I mean, what practice schedule I have today after after school and what their game schedule is, let alone following baseball. I try. I try, but I don't do a very good job at it. Well, all right. Give me a crystal ball. 2023. Who wins the World Series this year? Oh, gosh. Jenny. Jenny's predictions. I don't even know. Well, say the Dodgers. It'll make, I'll make it look I would good. love the Dodgers. I would they are Dodgers. good. They're good again. They're, they're, they're not, you know, they don't have the personnel that they had a year ago, but they're, they're tough. They're quietly, they've been so good for so long that people don't pay attention to them, but they're good. They're good. Yeah. The last couple of years has been fun. Yeah. Well, Jenny Fitch, I really appreciate you coming on, coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Uh, one of the greatest to ever do it. And, and you really do a good job in all you do, you know, just, I've watched you for years and I've, I've always been an admirer and, and thought, wow, that's a, that's a good girl that does a really good job promoting the game. I could tell, uh, you know, get a big heart and, and just, I think you're great. I think you're great for 
uh, women's sports in general. But uh, I just want to appreciate, uh, tell you that I appreciate you coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully, I'll see you in Texas next year. Yes, and it's for all, hot. yes, it is. And for all you watching or listening to the Boom Podcast, I appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.